We're here again. We are here again. It seems like it's been a little bit. It has. Yeah. It really feels like it has. How have you been? I've been great. How about you? Good. We had the possum incident last oh, night. Yeah. yeah. That baby possum. Baby. We had a baby possum in between our screen door and our front door. Cuckoo. Yeah. It was something. A little cutie pie. A little cutie. And tell them the name. We named him Gregory. How cute. I don't know why. It just seemed appropriate. He looks like that. Does it? He it looks might like be a girl. girl. I don't know. Well, Gregora. Gregor. Gregoria. Yeah. Well, let's call her that if so. No one's going to check. No. I mean, they're. Well, unless they play possum and then they just pretend they're dead, then you could probably check. You could, but it's not going to be you or I. Yeah, that was something. It really was. And most of the house got up for it. Yeah, it was a big event. It really was. All due to some little scratching you heard. I did, yeah. I'm glad um, Smokey didn't get over there because she might have ate it. No, I no. they might have like... Rustled? Yeah, they might have mm-hmm. tussled a little bit, but I don't think she would have eaten a possum, even a baby possum. She'd say, I'm tired. Yeah, plus she's really old. She's an old girl. She is. I noticed it today. Oh, did you? Yeah, she even just looked back. Like, oh. Yeah. I mean, she's, we don't know, 15? Yeah. Four, but she's been, she's been an outside cat her whole life, so. That's basically 40. Yeah. And, yeah. Old girl. Old girl. You know. Who knows? But, Anyone. yeah, you don't expect to open the front door and see a baby possum. No. No. Oh, but otherwise, yeah, we're doing good. Yes, doing good. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. All right. So we are focusing on Deuteronomy chapters twelve through twenty-eight today. Yes. This is the remainder of the second address to the Israelites. Yes. Moses. Yes. Now, would you like to start us off in prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word today. I ask that you would increase my wisdom and understanding as I read. Speak to me through your word, Lord. I pray that your word would create in me a clean mind and a renewed heart. Hide your words in the folds of my heart for times of need by myself or others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like that one. Me too. It's a good one. Okay, so let's get to, uh, we're going to recap Deuteronomy chapters 5 through 11. Now, Moses began the second address to the Israelites. He retold the story of the Ten Commandments. He told them to love, obey, and serve the Lord, and then to uh, completely destroy those already in the promised land. Yes. Now, was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I'm good. Okay. So, chapter 12 Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1, these are the decrees and regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. You must obey them as long as you live. So it's it's continuous. It's constant throughout this entire chapter. Yes. This is what he's telling them. This is what they need to do. Now, Moses goes on to list that the Israelites, uh, they need to destroy all the Canaanites, uh, places of worship. Don't neglect the Levites in the new land because the Levites uh, were not getting any land 
he talked about their offerings and then how the Israelites were to eat meat. Now, did you have notes for that section? Um, I have, let's see. I just have um, Deuteronomy 12, 16. Eating blood was forbidden for several reasons. It was an integral part of the pagan practices of the land and the Israelites were about to enter. It represented life, which is sacred to God, and it reminded the people that life and strength come from God, not from drinking or eating blood. It was a symbol of the sacrifice that had to be made for sin, which then again points to Christ dying and bloodshed. Yes. That isn't the first time he, they've, he's told them about blood, right? That no. was brought up before. Yeah. Okay. It was brought up in uh, Leviticus seventeen fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. I oh. can read that if you want. In fact, while you're looking that up, I have one okay. other note for this section. Okay. Uh, it said the pagans offered sacrifices to their gods in many places. In contrast, the Israelites were only to offer sacrifices in the prescribed manner and in the prescribed places. This restriction was meant to ensure purity of worship for the nation of Israel. Later, they would neglect this injunction and offer sacrifices at the high places where pagan deities were worshipped. Go ahead, you um, have it? it? The verse is 17.14 and it says, The life of every creature is in its blood. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be caught off, cut off from the community. And then it talks about why they shouldn't eat it. And at the end of that, it says, Jesus is God himself. And the last sacrifice ever needed for sins was asking believers to identify with him completely. He wants us to take his life into us, and he wants us to participate in our lives as well. Hmm. And it also says to drink it would change the symbolism of the sacrificial penalty and destroy the evidence of the sacrifice. To protect people from infection because many deadly diseases are transmitted through the blood, the Jews took this prohibition, prohibition seriously and that is why Jesus' hearers were so upset when Jesus told them to drink his blood. Oh. Yeah. However, Jesus, as God himself, then it says that. Okay. So they didn't understand it yet. Okay. So, yeah. Thank you for, for, for reading that. Yes. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did you have anything else for chapter 12? I just have um, regarding 12, 30, and 31. Do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods, saying, How do these nations worship their gods? I want you to follow their example. And then it said, God did not want the Israelites to even ask about the pagan religion surrounding them. Idolatry completely permeated the land of Canaan. It was too easy to get drawn into the subtle subtle temptations of seemingly harmless practices. Sometimes curiosity can cause us to stumble. Knowledge of evil is harmful if the evil becomes too tempting to resist. To resist curiosity about harmful practices shows us discretion and obedience. Mm. And I just thought about, you know, for example, if you 
have a child or yourself like lives in a place like just say la la Mm -hmm. with all of that with if you if you work in that industry then you're that's all you're surrounded by you're gonna be influenced probably oh yes or yeah you know if that's all you see day in and day out it'd be hard not to be influenced yeah Mm -hmm. and our children are more influenced by who they hang out with than us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I would always tell them that. You be careful who you hang out with. You know? Yeah. So I just, that made me think of that. So. Well, that's very true. Yeah. And going through all of this again, it like it's just very curious that God just didn't put them in their, just an empty land. No. He he made them specifically go through and into a land that was full of pagan worship and pagan idols. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he could have just snapped his fingers. Yes. Yep. But nope. No. Mm-mm. Okay, so anything else for 12? No, nothing. Okay, so chapter 13 Moses warned the Israelites against false prophets who were to be put to death. Um, Did you have any notes for that? I have. um, False prophets are still around today. The wise person will carefully test ideas against the truth of God's word. I have something else for 13. Yeah. Um, Whispers can be very persuasive, especially if they come from loved ones. But love for relatives should not take precedence over devotion to God. We can overcome whispered temptations by pouring out our hearts to God in prayer and by diligently studying his word. And I think that's very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think, is one of the hardest things for people mm-hmm. to speak truth to a non-believer I, I can't I can't imagine that that for some people it's very easy it, it comes very naturally to them yeah and you know I think some people just have the gift of showing love mm-hmm. and have a way to do it I wouldn't know where to start Mm-mm. and I'm being honest mm-hmm. I I don't I wouldn't know I'm be- <laughs> yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. You know, saying. I just, I think that there's people and can do it, but that's not my gift. Yeah. I mean, I would try, I, but I don't know. No, I know what you're saying. There are some people, and, you know, we, I think we've all seen it at one point yeah. or another. They're just like, come, you know, let's sit down, let's talk about this. And like, like you, like, this is kind of my gig. Yeah. Like this, but to actually sit down with someone one-on-one and be like, well, uh, okay, let's... Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just something where the Holy Spirit talks through them. Right. I mean, I could tell them about the gospel and mm-hmm. stuff, but if it was my own family mm-hmm. and having to... I, that would be hard. Mm-hmm. There is people in my family that have done it to other in my family, and they're great, and it comes from love, and they say that, and but it's not this... Girl. No. So, God bless. (laughs) It also had said... Did you have more for 13? That's all I had for 13. Okay, because 
this part, it said, attractive leaders are not always led by God. Moses warned the Israelites against false prophets who encouraged worship of other gods. New ideas from inspiring people may sound good, but we must judge them by whether or not they are consistent with God's word. When people claim to speak for God today, check them in these areas. One, are they telling the truth? Two, is their focus on God? Three, are their words consistent with what you already know to be true? And I like just to kind of add this in there, always check your Bible. Yes. Because there, I think probably from the beginning, there's always been false prophets. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, they're still around today for sure. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And what they're really around in also is what I've noticed in our churches pointed out to us is on the radio oh really what's to be called christian music okay if you sit and listen to that some of them don't even speak of god until almost the end and it's hmm. very self-centered and i was thinking if i ask these questions of a song and you know we all love music and and but just think about that like the old hymns are the greats mm -hmm. You know, but I don't know. Just like if you even asked asked this about songs, are the is the song telling the truth? Is the song's focus on God? And that's the more contemporary contemporary music. Mm -hmm. You know that we have here on the radio. Really, it's just garbage. Most of it. I, I, I maybe I shouldn't say that, but wait so the so the Christ, the contemporary christian or yes you, okay okay yes that's what i'm saying wow okay i mean if you really listen to it and you know i'm sure a lot of them are just trying to reach those who and maybe that is an avenue to get them where they need to be mm -hmm. and i don't want to judge anybody but if you really listen to a lot of it it's just and there is really great new people I mean, you know, great contemporary Christian music, but some of those songs are... You just have to be discerning. Yeah, okay. right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Hmm. That's hmm. something to be wary about, yes. okay? yeah. Okay, so anything else for chapter 13? No. Alrighty, chapter 14. Uh, Moses broke down which animals the Israelites may eat, those which are ceremonially clean and unclean. Um, did you have notes for that area? I have the d actions described here referred to a cult of the d of the dead. Many other re religions today have some kind of worship of a service to the dead. But Christianity and Judaism are different from other regions because they focus on serving God in this life. Don't get don't let concern or worry over the dead distract you from the task that God has. For you while you are still alive. That wasn't about the animals, but that's what I had. And what verses is that attached for 14, to? 1. Oh, 14.1. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, uh, since you are the people of the Lord your God, never cut yourselves or shave the hair above your foreheads in mourning for the dead. Yes, okay. To the Israelites, the unclean animals represented sin or unhealthy habits. Perhaps some restrictions were given to Israel just to remind them continually that they were a different and separate people committed to God. 
Although we no longer must follow these laws about food, we can still learn from them the lesson that holiness is to be carried into all parts of life. We can't restrict holiness only to the spiritual side. We must be holy in the everyday practical part of life as well. Health practices, finances, use of leisure, all provide opportunities to put holy living into daily living. Mm. Uh, and then in the second half of chapter 14, uh, he explained how the Israelites were to tithe in the promised land. And then did you have any notes for the tithing area? I have. Um, the Bible makes the purpose of tithing very clear. To teach us to fear the Lord and to put him first in our lives. We are to give God the first and best of what we earn. For example, what we do with our first money shows what we value most. Giving the first part of our paycheck to God immediately focuses our attention on him. It also reminds us that all we have belongs to him. A habit of regular tithing can keep God at the top of our priority list and give us a proper perspective on everything else we have. Now, we had talked about tithing before. Yeah. For people who, say, aren't going to church, is there still a way to tithe? Well, now you could tithe online. You okay. know, if you're if you're connected to a church and... If you are under an umbrella of a church and you're a member there, what they stand for and um, support is hopefully what you believe in. Mm -hmm. Missionaries, supporting women's battered shelters, whatever their their budget goes to. Mm -hmm. So... For me, that's where I would put my money. Okay. But if someone has something where they don't go to church and feel they want to tithe another way, that's their business. Oh, okay. Now, that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I'm only human. So I would ask a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, even if they left a pastor a message at a church, their church they feel comfortable with because I'm only a human. You know, I don't ever want to give the wrong information. Sure, sure. So... But that's what I would do. Okay. Because, you know, if, if we have a lot of new people yeah. listening and they're like, well, I want to tithe, but, you know, how should I go about doing it? Right. Okay. That's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Yeah. So we're talking. Oh, okay. Also, did you have anything else for that area for chapter 14? I don't have anything. Okay. I had a little something. The Bible supports... An organized system of caring for the poor. God told his people to use their tithe every third year for those who were helpless, hungry, or poor. These regulations were designed to prevent the country from sinking under crushing poverty and oppression. It was everyone's responsibility to care for those less fortunate. Families were to help other family members, and towns were to help members of their community. National laws protected the rights of the poor, but helping the poor was also an active part of religious life. God counts on believers to provide for the needy, and we should use what God has given us to aid those less fortunate. Look beyond your regular giving and think of ways to help the needy. This will help you show your regard for God as creator of all people. Share God's goodness with others and draw them to him. It is a practical and essential way to make faith work in everyday life. Amen. That was brought up 
a lot throughout this chapter or this book as well um and really throughout what we've read is caring for the poor yes um and like the widows and the orphans just not to put them aside in society they were to be cared for as well at by other families yes yes you know no kidding um also remember they were talking about um was it the grain like if the grain leave the grain on the yes. on the threshing so the, floor yes. so they could come get it yeah, yeah the travelers they could come get it yes yeah yeah so it was always caring for other people yeah and if you have a gift god has given every person a gift mm-hmm. you should use that to give even if you have a business and you can give in some way you should mm-hmm. because that's why that's what we should do you know, I mean, uh, that's how I feel. That's right. And I know my family came from another country, which probably everybody but the Indians, if yeah. we're going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And they came and they helped other families. And, you know, that's how it should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I remember growing up and if somebody, my dad had to borrow something from somebody and he borrowed that cleaned it and took it right back Mm -hmm. he said if someone's nice enough to let me borrow this I'm going to take care of it and get it right back and you learn that Mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't like that anymore and you know I watched this thing on these missionary kids they were like 20 years old these these two boys and they went on this mission to this jungle and these people, I, I don't know what nationality they were. And there was all these families in these huts. And these boys got sick. They got oh. like giardia or whatever, the stomach issue. Oh. Like because the water wasn't good, whatever. But they stayed there. They stayed. I can't remember for how long. I, I will have to try to find what that video is and tell you so people can watch it. But okay. So there was like... I don't remember how many families. I'm going to say six. And so what one of the men of these families thought up, and they made pennies every day, these people. The men worked, of course, and the women stayed home with the children. Okay. This one man in this family said, hey, because they needed a stove. Like each family needed like burners or whatever. Mm. He said, let's put two pennies away We'll all put it in one thing, and then the this family, family A, can get a burner. Okay. Okay, then we got that family taken care of, and then we'll get family B the burner. Mm-hmm. And that's how they worked. Yes. Yes. It was, I was bawling. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's what they did, and that's how, then they got each, I can't remember, was it a washer or something or something else? Mm-hmm. But that's how they got out of, you know what I'm saying? Yes, they all worked together. They were so happy. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, okay, so then that family had it, then then that family could make the food. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Oh, it was just touching. But anyway. That's a wonderful thing to see a little community work together so everyone can prosper. Yes, yes. I know it. It is. Mm. It is. Okay, so did you have anything else for chapter 14? No. Nothing. Okay. No, I don't. Okay, so chapter 15, it covered three things. First, how debt would be handled. 
Second, how Hebrew slaves uh, would be treated after they were freed. And lastly, instructions for sacrificing firstborn male animals. Yes. Now, did you have anything for 15? I did. I have, um, let me get to it. The Israelites were to release their servants after six years, sending them away with enough food so that they would be amply supplied until their needs could be met by some other means. This humanitarian act recognized that God created each person with dignity and worth. It also reminded the Israelites that they too had once been slaves in Egypt and that their present freedom was a gift from God. We do not have servants such as these today, but God's instructions still apply to us. We must still be sure to treat our employees with respect and economic fairness. Mm. Yep. Okay, anything else for 15? Uh, God told the Israelites to help the poor among them when they arrived in the promised land. This was an important part of processing the land, possessing the land. Many people conclude that people are poor through some fault of their own. This kind of reasoning makes it easy to close their hearts and hands to the needy. But we are not to invent reasons for ignoring the poor. We are to respond to their needs no matter who or what was responsible for their condition. Who are the poor in your community? How could you church how could your church help them? If your church does not have a program to identify the poor and assist in fulfilling their needs, why not help start one? What can you do to help someone in need? Okay, so chapter sixteen. Uh, the first half of chapter 16, let the Israelites know when and how to celebrate Passover, the festival of harvest, and the festival of shelters. Moses also began talking about uh, the Israelites' judicial system. And would you mind reading chapter 16, verse 18, please? No, not at all. Appoint judges and officials for yourselves from each of your tribes in all the towns the Lord your God is giving you. They must judge the people fairly. Um, and did you have any notes for chapter 16? Um, I do. Uh, the first one I have is God does not expect us to give more than we can, but we will be blessed when we give cheerfully. For some, 10% may be a burden. For most of us, that would be far too little. Look at what you have and then give in pro proportion to what you have been given. Okay, I also have Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20. These verses anticipated a great problem the Israelites would face when they arrived in the Promised Land. Although they had Joshua as their national leader, they failed to complete the task and choose other spiritual leaders who would lead the tribes, districts, and cities with justice and God's wisdom. Because they did not appoint wise judges and faithful administrators, rebellion and injustice plagued their communities. It is a serious responsibility to appoint or elect wise and just officials. In your sphere of influence, home, church, school, job, are you ensuring that justice and godliness prevail? Um, did you have anything else for chapter 16? That's it. Okay, chapter 17. We're just chugging along, but a lot of it is, you know, is repetitive, so yes. we're just kind of going through it. Uh, chapter 17, Moses continued describing the Israelites' judicial system after they entered the Promised Land. He also explained who the Israelites should pick as king if they choose to have one. 
And then uh, there was just kind of a list of attributes. Uh, the man God chooses, a fellow Israelite, he must not build a large stable for himself. He must not take many wives because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. Must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver and gold. And uh, he must keep a copy of these rules on a scroll in the presence of Levitical priests. Uh, he must read it daily. And then all of this was supposed to keep him in check. Yep. Now, did you have notes for that area? I did. Um, Israel's kings did not heed this warning. And <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> and their behavior led to their downfall. Solomon had everything going for him, but when he became rich, built up a large army, and married many wives, his head turned from God, heart turned from God. Out of Solomon's sin came Israel's disobedience, division, and captivity. I liked that last sentence, like, out of Solomon's sin came disobedience, division, and captivity for Israel. Mm. So what grew out of his sin? This. Hmm. Yeah. And then I did have, um, the king was to be a man of God's word. He was to make for himself a copy of the law, keep it with him, read it every day, or you said this, and obey it. Through this process, he would learn to respect learn respect for God, keep himself from feeling more important than others, and avoid neglecting God in times of prosperity. We can't know what God wants except through his word, and his word won't affect our lives unless we read and think about it regularly. With abundant availability of the Bible today, it is not difficult to gain access to the source of the king's wisdom. What is more of a challenge? What is more of a challenge is us following its directives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I mean, now more than probably any other time, do we have access to a, a Bible? Yeah, I mean, you can walk and have it in your ear. You can have it on the computer. You can have it on your phone. Yeah, so many different options. Yeah, you know, they were also trying to. Um, you know, convey that God, God didn't especially want them to have a king, but he knew that they were going to have a king. Yeah, but he was making that point. Mm -hmm. He he was, and this got them in so much of a mess <laughs> from the get go. Yes, free will. Yeah, but God knew that this yeah. was going to happen. He knew. He knew. He knew. Anything else for chapter 17? No. Okay, chapter 18. Moses reminded the Israelites the Levites would receive no land upon entering Canaan. Uh, the Lord was their special possession. And he also broke down the foods that the Levites could claim from the offerings. Yep. And then um, chapter 18, verse 5. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all your tribes to minister in the Lord's name forever. So just, you know, reminding them that this was, this was the Levite's specific job. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have notes for that first part? Um, I have ministers may not be paid in accordance with their skills or the time they put in. 
or pastors may be expected to attend every evening meeting even if this continual absence is harmful to the family. As you look at your own church in light of God's word, what ways do you see to honor the leaders God has given you? Hmm. I think about our pastors, the time they put in. I just, I can't even imagine. And one time someone asked the one's wife, she has three, three little ones. She just had another one. You know, and he's he his heart is for God and the people. And she said, because I have the same heart for the people. Oh. That's how I can do it. And that, that he's gone so much and away and because we both have the same heart. Mm-hmm. So that would be very difficult. I mean, yeah. And, you know, it's not like it's he is he's he's richer. They're richer than any surgeon or anything though yeah you know what i mean yeah the love and because we're not just talking okay i'm putting in my hours for the service on sunday i mean this is uh spending time with families or individuals who need particular help or counseling and i imagine it just it doesn't end really and the study to do the sermon yeah and you know a lot of them will say I had this other written but then God put on my heart to do something else so can you imagine what if what and then they feel they have to do it so then all of a sudden you have to do oh I know I'm so thankful we all should be we all should be yeah that's a I mean I guess a lot of jobs you could say this but you can't go half-heartedly into ministry I would imagine I mean it's you have to be all in yeah it has to be a calling, I think. Yes. Don't you? Yes. I mean, because if it if it isn't a calling and you just don't feel it in your core, yeah, then it's going to be a half-hearted effort, and people will see that. One hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so then continuing on with chapter eighteen, Moses then warned the Israelites of the quote-unquote detestable customs of the Canaanites such as sacrificing children, sorcery, and fortune-telling. Did you have any notes for that part? The Israelites were naturally curious about the occult practices of the Canaanite religion, but Satan is behind the occult, and God flatly forbade Israel to have anything to do with it. Today, people are still fascinated by horoscopes, fortune-telling, witchcraft, and bizarre cults. Often their interest comes from a desire to know and control the future. But Satan is no less dangerous today than he was in Moses' time. In the Bible, God tells us all we need to know about what is going on, about what is going to happen. Yeah, sorry, yeah. The information Satan offers is likely to be distorted or completely false. With the trustworthy guidance of the Holy Spirit through the Bible and the church, we do not need to turn to occult sources for faulty information. Mm. That is the truth. Yeah. Don't even have it in your home. No. It's just, I don't know. It's not worth it. No, uh-uh. And then chapter 18 concludes with Moses speaking about uh, true and false prophets, which we kind of uh, hit upon earlier. Um And then, Amy, if you could please read chapter 18, verse 15. Sure. 
Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Now, that's referring to Jesus? Or no? I think that's talking... Isn't that Moses talking about bringing Joshua, isn't it? It Well, I wasn't quite sure. Let's look. The Lord your God will raise you up for you, will raise up for you a prophet like me from, from among, among your, your fellow, fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. So I think it says, who is this prophet? Stephen used this verse to support his claim that Jesus Christ is God's son, the Messiah. The coming of Jesus Christ to earth was not an afterthought, but part of God's original plan. Yes. Who's Stephen? I have something here. Tell me. Okay. It says in Acts chapter 6 verse 5, it introduces a faithful man of God named Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. It is noteworthy that there have always been those faithful believers whose love for and commitment to the Lord seem to shine through so greatly that others around them notice, and Stephen was such a man. Nothing is known about the personal life of Stephen, his parents, his siblings, or whether he had a wife or children. However, what is known about him is what is truly important. He was faithful even when faced with certain death. He was one of seven men chosen to be responsible over the distribution of food to widows in the early church. He was full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, but the men who argued with Stephen were no match for the wisdom given him by the Holy Spirit. So the men decided to falsely accuse Stephen, labeling him a blasphemer and having him arrested. Acts 7, Acts chapter 7, is the record of Stephen's testimony, which is perhaps the most detailed and concise history of Israel and their relationship to God of any in Scripture. Hmm. Yeah, and he was stoned to death. Oh, he was. Yep. As they stoned him, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Wow. And with that, he died. It sounds like Jesus Christ. Yeah. It says, Stephen's life is a continual challenge to all Christians because he was the first to die for the faith. His sacrifice raises questions. How many risks do we take in being Jesus' followers? Would we be willing to die for him? Are we willing to live for him? Now, I'm going to be honest. If I was somewhere and someone said, if you don't, if you are going to say, Jesus Christ is my, I believe in Jesus Christ, or I'm going to shoot you, I would, I would say, you're going to have to kill me. You know, like, you, if you admit that, Jesus Christ is your master, savior, king. If you say that, you're going to die right now. Well, they're going to have to kill me. Yeah. Because yeah. I would never deny him. No. I mean, now that's, see, when I say that, I think of that Peter. Oh. But I would say that, and if I had to die, then I had to die because I want to spend my eternity. Yeah. I'm not going to deny my Christ, mm -hmm. my God. Mm-hmm. And I try to live for him, as do you. Well, all of us try. Yeah. So, I don't know, Stephen. <laughs> okay, anything else for chapter 18? No. All right, chapter 19. 
Moses told the Israelites how many cities of refuge there were to be in each district of the promised land, giving examples of um, who was allowed to stay, you know, in these cities. Yes. Um, did you have any notes for that? Um, for 19, I have every society must deal with the problem of murder. I only have about murder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but how should society treat those who have accidentally killed someone? God had an answer for the Israelites. Revenge was calm, was common and swift in Moses' day. God had the Israelites set apart several cities of refuge. Anyone who claimed to have accidentally killed someone could flee to one of these cities until he could have a fair trial. If he was found innocent of international murder, he could remain in that city and be safe. Intentional or international? intentional okay those (laughs) if he was found innocent of intentional murder he could remain in that city and be safe from those seeking revenge this is a beautiful example of how god blended his justice and mercy toward his people yes i also had when they talked about avenger that was the nearest male relative to the person killed he acted as the family protector there must have been a lot of of revenge sought in those days. I just, it's, yeah. Um, Moses then spoke about different injustices the Israelites must stay away from. For example, don't steal anyone's land, and you can't convict with only one witness. And then we also get the verse, um, in part, chapter 19, verse 21, your rule should be, Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So that's where, you know, that saying comes from. Now, did you want to read the note regarding that? The principle, this principle was for the judges to use, not a plan for personal vengeance. This attitude towards punishment may seem primitive, but it was actually a breakthrough for justice and fairness in ancient times when most nations had arbitrary arbitrary methods to punish criminals. This guideline reflects a concern for even-handedness and justice, ensuring that those who violated the law were not punished more severely than their particular crime deserved. In the same spirit of justice, a false witness was to receive the same punishment the accused person would have suffered. The principle of making the punishment fit the crime should still be observed today Mm -hmm. yes it should but not for regular folk it was for it was for the judges right okay all right anything else for chapter 19 no okay chapter 20 moses broke down several war regulations such as what the officers would say to the troops before battle and terms for peace must be offered before attacking a town. And then would you mind reading chapter 20, verses 17 and 18? Okay. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Hivites, and Jubasites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. Really, there's no excuse at this point. No, uh-uh. 
How many times is it, once again, Moses should just wear a shirt. How many times do I have to say it? Yeah. Uh, or a recording, yeah. Yes. But there's no recording, but yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, listen, read this shirt. All right. Anything else for chapter 20? No. No. Okay. Chapter 21. Uh, covered quite a bit. So this I'm going to kind of reverse a little. Did you have, is, was there anything in chapter 21 that stood out to you that you would like to talk about? No. No. Uh, well, I have 22, 1 through... Oh, no, that's 22. No. Okay. I just had one little thing that I thought was, was interesting. Okay. Is even, um, you know, dealing with rebellious sons. Oh. I, that was a little eye-opening. Because if there was a rebellious son, the elders would stone him to death. Wow. So the, they wanted that evil purged from the community. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah. So there was no joking around back then. Listen, son... You want me to get you over there? Yeah, I mean, that's flesh and blood. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so nothing else that you want to talk about for chapter Not 21? Not in 21, no. Okay, so let's go to 22. What I thought was curious with this one was plopped among all the, the various regulations. Mm-hmm. In 22.5, they had a woman must not put on men's clothing and a man not, must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. Yes. But, then, all, but yeah. then right after that, it talks about if you happen to find a bird's nest on the ground. I just thought it, no, like, I just thought it was curious. Yeah. Like, where do we put this verse? Yeah. We'll just put it in here. Just stick it here. That'd be good. But there was an interesting note for that. If Do you mind if I read that? No, read it. Okay, no. Okay, so that verse command, commands men and women not to reverse their sexual roles. It is not a statement about clothing styles. Today, role rejections are common. There are men who want to become women and women who want to become men. It's not the clothing style that offends God, but using the style to act a different sex role. God had a purpose in making us uniquely male and female. Yes. And this book was written a long time ago. Oh. This Bible was done. I mean, I'm sure it has a revision, but. Oh, this particular Bible. I got yeah, you. I'm, yeah, I'm saying that note mm -hmm. was done. Let's see the last time it was revised. I was going to look. 2013? Yeah, I think 2013. Okay. So that's eight years ago. Yeah. That was written. Can you imagine now? Yeah. It, it's been a while. And who knows if that note was even touched then. Yeah. You know, but the, it still remains the same that yeah. God is love. Yes, he is. So even if you, even if there is a man dressed like a woman or a woman dressed like a man or, you know, sex changes, whatever the case may be, you still show love. Yes, you're not here to judge the person. Yeah, you're not here to judge. No, you're not. You're here to love them and try to get them to know that Christ is their Savior. Mm -hmm. No way are we to judge anybody. No. How uh -huh. can we? Yeah. We're just as sinners as everybody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, absolutely, you're right, friend. Did you have any other notes for that section? I had 22, 1 through 4. Okay. Um, the Hebrews were to care for and return lost animals or possessions to their rightful owners. The way of 
The way of the world, by contrast, is finders, keepers, losers, weepers. To go beyond the finders, keepers rule by protecting and returning the property of others keeps us from being envious and greedy. That's right. That's it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, did you have notes regarding verses 8 through 11 in chapter 22? I did. Okay. Um, I have, there are particular laws helpful for establishing good habits for everyday living. Verse 8, which since people use their flat roofs as porches, a railing was a wise safety precaution. Verse 9, if you plant two different crops side by side, one of them will not survive, since the stronger, taller one will block the sunlight and take most of the vital nutrients from the soil. Verse 10, a donkey and an ox, due to differences in strength and size, cannot pull a plow evenly. Verse 11, two different kinds of thread wear unevenly and wash differently. Combing them, combining them, reduces the life of the garment. Don't think of God's laws as arbitrary restrictions. Look at the reasons behind the laws. They are made not just to teach or restrict but also to protect and help us so all of these made sense yes you like they're just trying to tell you don't look at it and be like oh my goodness i know how could that be said yeah and there were reasons behind it they're sure yes 100 percent uh, moses then broke down several sexual purity scenarios for the israelites how they must abide and the punishment if they don't yes uh, did you have anything else for chapter 22? Um, why did God include all these laws about sexual sins? Instructions about secu secular, sexual behavior would have been vital for 3 million people on a 40-year camping trip. But they would be equally important when they entered the promised land a settled down and settled down as a nation. In Colossians 3, verses 5 through 8, Paul recognizes the importance of strong rules about sex for believers because sexual sins have the power to disrupt, disrupt and destroy the church. Sins involving sex are not innocent dabblings in forbidden pleasures, as is so often portrayed, but powerful destroyers of relationships. They confuse and tear down the climate of respect, trust, and credibility that is so essential for solid marriages and secure children. Hmm. Could you imagine what a hot mess that 40-year journey could oh, have been? No kidding. God kept him in check. He did. And it, it really kind of already, it really was a hot mess anyway. <laughs> it was a manageable hot mess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you had some folks disappear in the in the land. Yeah, and, but they were. It was good. Yeah, it was all right. Mm. Anything else? No. Okay, chapter twenty three. Now, chapter twenty three, Amy. It's titled "Regulations Concerning Worship." It starts out with a bang. Yes, it does. <laughs> it really does. It exp. It explains that a man may not be admitted to the assembly of the Lord if his penis has been cut off or his testicles crushed. Amy, we've talked about this before. Why are so many men's penises being harmed and testicles being crushed? It's in the Bible. 
It had to have been an issue. I agree, friend. What's going on? I wish I knew. I don't know what's happened. Is it like farming accidents? It might be. Like work-related accidents? Yeah. Look at that plow on the other page. Maybe that coughed up or something. It's very possible when they were plowing with yeah. the oxen. I don't know. And but... a strap broke and something was crushed or torn off. I don't know. I'm not making it up. It's in the Bible. But there was a scenario for it. Yeah. They couldn't be admitted. I wonder why they couldn't go in anymore. Because they weren't whole? What if they What if they loved the Lord? And he's like, Lord, the oxen tore off my penis. <laughs> but what if he said, like, Lord, the oxen tore off my penis. I love you. What can I do? I guess worship outside. There was an assembly outside just for no, crushed testicles. <laughs> hey, Joe, what happened to you? Farming accident. I mean, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> is there some high stuff always that falls? I don't know. If it if it's that prevalent, yeah. they, they didn't come up with a protection no. of any sort. Uh-uh. Well... Jock strap eventually. Eventually, but I, I, I. Why did they have to start out so brass? It, that chapter started with that. Yeah. All right. I mean, come on. <laughs> and oh. The chapter continued to list several specific regulations the Israelites must abide by. Um, was there anything that stood out to you in chapter twenty-three? Um, I just had. On twenty four twenty five, where it said, when you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, but you must not carry any away in a basket. And when you enter your neighbor's field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest it with a sickle. Oh. And I put, it said, this commandment guarded against selfishly holding on to one's possessions. It also assured that no one had to go hungry. It was not, however, an excuse for taking advantage of one's neighbor. The Pharisees did not interpret this appropriately when they accused Jesus and the disciples of harvesting on the Sabbath. So there you go. Okay, anything else for chapter 23? That's it. Okay, chapter 24 and 25 we're going to combine because it talks about miscellaneous regulations. And they were all very specific. Yeah. Each one was very specific. Um, did you have any notes in 24 and 25 you wanted to talk about? I had about um, ma newly married couples. Mm -hmm. um, it was a newly married man must not be drafted into the army or be given any other official responsibilities. He must be free to spend one year at home, bringing happiness to the wife he has married. Hmm. And it said newly married couples were to remain together their first year. This was avo to avoid placing an excessive burden upon a new, unproven relationship and to give it a chance to mature and strengthen before confronting it with numerous responsibilities. A gardener starts a tiny seeding in seedling in a small pot and allows it to take root before planting it in the field. 
Let your marriage grow strong by protecting your relationship from too many outside pressures and distractions, especially in the beginning, and don't expect or demand so much from newlyweds that they have inadequate time or energy to establish their marriage. That's very nice. Yeah. Uh, anything else in 24 and 25 you wanted to talk about? 25, I have 5 through 10 mm-hmm. about a, the law. The law describes a... Leverite marriage, the marriage of a widow to the brother of her dead husband. The purpose of such a marriage was to carry on the dead man's name and inheritance. Family ties were an important aspect of Israelite culture. The best way to be remembered was through your line of descendants. If a widow married someone outside the family, her first husband's line would come to an end. Hmm. Tamar fought for this right in Genesis 38. I wonder when that stopped happening. Yeah. Be, yeah. Was so. there anything else in 24 or 25 you wanted to talk about? No, I'm good. Okay, chapter 26. Oh. Moses explained to the Israelites that once they had settled in the promised land, they were to take a portion of their first crops and present it to the Lord. They were also to present a special tithe of crops every three years for the Levites and those in need. Uh, did you have any notes for that? Um, this re- recitation of God's dealings with his people helped the people remember what God had done for them. What is the history of your relationship with God? Can you put it into clear and concise words what God has done for you? Find a friend with whom you can share spiritual journey. Telling your stories to each other will help you clearly understand your personal spiritual history as well as encouraging and inspiring you both. That's nice. And it makes a big difference. Yes, it does. If you can find just even one other person oh, yeah. uh, to, to talk to. 100%. It, it, it is. and But if you have a friend that you went through life with, you do share that. Mm-hmm. Like me and you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then chapter 26 concludes beautifully with Moses telling the Israelites they are the Lord's special treasure. And if they follow all the regulations, God will set them, quote unquote, high above all other nations he has made. I love that. It was very nice. Yes. Uh, Anything else for chapter 26? I, um, no, I didn't have that. Okay. Uh, Chapter 27, Moses told the Israelites to set up large stones, coat them with plaster, and write a specific body of instruction upon it. Once they crossed the Jordan into the promised land, they they would also build an altar, bring offerings, and celebrate the Lord. Uh, Any notes for that part? The Lord had specified an altar made of natural uncut stones so that the people would not begin worshiping the altars as idols. To use an iron tool on a stone of the altar would be to profane it. Additionally, because the Israelites did not have the capacity to work with iron at this time, using iron tools might mean using the cooperation and expertise of other nations. The the body of instruction that they were supposed was it the land of milk and honey? Is that what it was that they were supposed to write? I'm wondering if that's what it was. But then it says write this whole body of instruction. Yeah. 
So that doesn't make sense. No, let me see. I think it's more. Don't you a whole? I would think so. The whole Mosaic law, law. So the commandments? This says probably what was written was the summation of the law contained in the Ten Commandments. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you for, for looking welcome. that up. You're 100% welcome. Good. I'm glad we were able to get Me an answer too. for that. Because they don't make it spe specifically clear. No. Not at all. Okay. All right. We got that. Okay. All right. So then... Uh, the Levites then shouted to the Israelites all of the cursed behavior in the eyes of the Lord. For example, um, and then if you could read 27:24, Cursed is anyone who attacks a neighbor in secret, and all the, peoples, the people re will reply, Amen. Yeah, so that was an example of what they were, what they were uh, yelling. Yeah, thank you, what they were yelling. Because now it showed in our Bible, there's a picture. The, there's like two mountains across from each other. So yes. like one one group was yelling one thing and one group was yelling the other. I believe so. Okay. Okay. Do you have notes for uh, chapter 27? I just had motivated by love and not anger. God's strong words help us avoid the serious consequences that result from neglecting him or wronging others. God does not leave us with only curses, negative consequences in other words. Immediately following these curses, we discover the great blessings, positive consequences that come from living for God. These give us an extra incentive to obey God's laws. With all these blessings... While all these blessings may not come in our lifetime on earth, those who obey God will experience the fullness of his blessing when he establishes the new heaven and new earth. Mm. Okay, anything else for chapter 27? No. Okay, chapter 28. Moses once again let the Israelites know they would be abundantly blessed if they fully obeyed the commands God laid out for them. But Moses also told them in detail the curses which would fall upon them if they did not. And uh, did you have any notes for chapter 28? Um, let's see. 28, 23, the curse he's referring to there is the drought. And um, one of the... one. Of the curses for those who rejected God was that they would go mad for seeing all the tragedy around them. Do you ever feel you will go crazy if you hear about one more rape, kidnapping, murder, or war? Much of the world is evil. Wor world's evil is a result of people's failure to acknowledge and serve God. When you hear bad no news, don't groan help helplessly as do unbelievers who have no hope for the future. Remind yourself that in spite of it all, God has ultimate control and will one day come back to make everything right. Mm. It can get frustrating. It can. But we just have to remember that. We have to remember it. Okay, friend, do you have anything else for chapter 28? No, I don't. All right. Okay, so else. do you, it is your turn this week for uh, for a musical recommendation. Yes, mine is the song, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. Not I, 
but through Christ in me. Yeah. City of light. Yep. City of light. And I'm sure we can we can find this on uh, Amazon or YouTube. Yep, anything. And then I will leave the link in the notes and then also um, on Facebook I'll leave a link. Wonderful. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about? No. No? All right. No, how about you? No. I was just going to give out some information. Wonderful. Okay, email is basicbiblestudy19, the number 19, at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy, and uh, the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com, and you can find all of the links on there. So for next time, we're going to finish up Moses' uh, third address, his address to the Israelites. Okay. And uh, we're going to finish up Deuteronomy. So here's what now remember because we're reading chronologically. So we're going to be reading Deuteronomy chapters 29 through 32, then read Psalm 90, then finish up Deuteronomy in chapters 33 and 34. Wonderful. So Deuteronomy 29 through 32, Psalm 90, and then Deuteronomy 33 and 34. And um, I hope everyone has a blessed Mother's Day. Yes, that's right. All, All right, right. friends. That was a marathon session, but it we got really we got through a lot of good stuff. Yes, we did. All right. And everybody have a blessed day. Yes. Take care. <laughs>